All right, it is the morning after WWE Money in the Bank 2022. Top Rope Nation closing in on around 260 episodes. Didn't look up the actual episode number this morning. We're getting close to 260, I know that. Ryan Drosty here with Justin Joint and a very special guest who I will introduce to you all here momentarily but as i said i mean the show went off the air almost exactly 12 hours ago so we've had some time to think about it here this sunday morning justin joint how you doing today i'll tell you what it is the morning after money in the bank and i could use a morning after pill to to kill what i saw last night <laughs> I, I, oh man i teed that up nicely didn't i, I was wondering if you would take that as i, I thought <laughs> how should i call this the morning after yes um we're gonna give our grades here in a second uh, a very up and down show mostly a down show in my opinion and we're, we're gonna bring in this guest here we have on the line who is joining us let's see it's it's about 10 30 a.m here in the central time zone, but across the pond, it's closing in on supper time. He's a longtime patron of Top Rope Nation, a Hall of Fame tier member of the Top Rope Nation Patreon page. And he just moved. So he's in his new 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 place. He's got the new surroundings around him. Thought it was the good time to bring him on the show for the very first time. So introducing Mr. Carlo Longhorn. Carlo, welcome to Top Rope Nation, sir. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'd say it's afternoon. It's, I've had a 10 mile walk trying to get the money in the bank out of my system from this morning. <laughs> it's not worked. Um, it's still very much in my system. But no, I'm good. Aside from that, it's um, the weather could be better in England, but that's pretty much what we say for in 65 days a year. <laughs> a 10 mile walk, man. I try to sweat it out, get it out of your pores, what you saw last. It, it, or I guess it, early yeah. this morning for you. Yeah, early this morning. Yeah, six to nine this morning. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we got a lot to talk about. I think we're going to get into a lot on you know, like the creative direction of the company. Uh, of course, the matches themselves, which went from pretty damn good to extremely sloppy. I saw reviews of this show pretty much all over the map, at least on my Twitter feed last night. Some of those reviews I very much disagreed with. We want to get thoughts from those of you watching live here. We're streaming on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Twitch. So if you're tuning in live right now, let us know your thoughts on Money in the Bank. Give us your A through F score for this one, and, and we'll share it here on the air. I'm going to throw it to these guys first. Justin Joint, A through F, how do you grade what you saw last night? Uh, C minus at best, maybe a D plus. There was one match where I thoroughly enjoyed half of it, uh, <laughs> and outside of that, I can't say I didn't really like the in-ring action, nor the results. Yeah, I mean, I think I know the match you're referring to, and I, I can't disagree with what you said too much there. Uh, Carlo, what do you what do you give the show? Yeah, I'm very much saying Justin, um, high D is, is, is where I'm at. Based on my grading system, it was just, there was too many down points in the show to make up for one good match and one 
possible match, and we'll, we'll get to the fact that actually that match highlights a lot of problems with WWE right now in the sense that the guys in the wrong places. But would that make a big difference? I don't know, but it was it was poor. Um, yeah, very poor. Yeah. I'm I'm at a C minus, Justin. That's what I had in my mind. And when you said it, I'm like, dang it, he stole my grade. Yeah, C minus. <laughs> I won't go into the D range, but you know, I always look at this as a teacher and I think a C to me is average. Was this an average show? And boy, there was some stuff on here that was real bad. <laughs> real bad. I think I would have been at a D for sure if I didn't like the tag match as much as I did, or at least the closing stretch of the tag match. So it bumps it up a little bit, so I can see where you come in on that D plus C minus. Yeah. So we're we're all pretty much on the same page, yeah. You know, in full disclosure, like it's a holiday weekend. You know, I had I had a big day yesterday. Got a lot of yard work done, uh, put together a dresser, and had a birthday party for my dad that we kind of left early, so that I could come watch Money in the Bank. So I went in with it kind of with a sour view. It was like, eh, I wish I could have stayed at my dad's house, but <laughs> here I am watching money in the bank. Well, it's one of those things where I wouldn't have watched the show if I didn't cover wrestling. I would have had zero interest in watching this. And we were talking in the Facebook group, you know, I posted that picture. We always have, uh, like the, not a game, but you know, like the in-game thread kind of thing with, with the wrestling events, you know, share all your thoughts as it goes. And we all participate. It's always a lot of fun. And, uh, I posted that picture right at the start. I was sitting on my patio, drinking a beer, watching my kids play in the yard. And I was like, well, I guess I should watch Money in the Bank now. I'd rather sit out here, but I'm going to watch it for the listeners so that they don't have to. <laughs> well, you know? and, and I think it says a lot that, you know, both of us were wishing that we were doing other things. And I think everybody else who could do other things did because, I mean, comparatively speaking to some of our other threads for big shows, it was pretty quiet. There was only a handful of people comedy and the same thing with my twitter feed there was just not much chatter about this show that's true i mean i follow i don't know a thousand people on twitter or something like that and i it was like the same handful of people that i saw commenting and that was about it you know i didn't see a lot of chatter about it um yeah the the facebook group which you can join the links here in the description I think we were around a hundred comments is all, you know, we got over 300 people in that group and we've had pay-per-view threads where six, 700 comments, especially the AEW ones. And this was, we didn't cross a hundred till very late. I know that. So, uh, yeah, Hugh checked in here in the chat and he gave it a C plus because he said, you know, it was sloppy. He didn't love the direction, but he, overall he had a good time with it. I would say like once it started, my kids did watch it with me for a little while and, you know, they were into parts of it. So it was not completely a wash. Like there was some stuff to enjoy, um, but overall, especially right from the start, I'm going to have some criticisms about it here for sure. And I can't do the Kyle Ross high pitch scream, but maybe I'll do my best. <laughs> Because uh, <laughs> Kyle's not joining us today. He was at a wedding. He was having a good time uh, from the text we got from Kyle last night. He does want to give all of you his thoughts. Um, so he is going to do a solo pod midweek for Top Rope Nation Extra. That's our Patreon bonus show. So if you're a patron, you'll be able to get Kyle's thoughts in full over on the Patreon feed. Uh, if you're not a patron, join up. Bonus content dropping all the time. We did have a new patron join this week, so I want to give a big shout out to Brian Coleman for joining the Patreon page, and hopefully he is join, enjoying all of the bonus content that he sees over there. And uh, let me see, real quick, uh, the Twitter users, I forgot to throw that in, 136 votes, 
40% B, 25% C, 17% D or F, 16% A. This was not an A show, <laughs> in my opinion. But, no. Um, the, the WWE apologist checking in there with the uh, 16% giving this an A. All right. Let's start from the top. The women's money in the bank match. I, I have a feeling. So Kyle hadn't seen this yet, but we were texting late last night and this morning about this. If Kyle was on this show, I think he would say that this was the worst money in the bank match he has ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it's like in the bottom three. This was really, really sloppy stuff. I mean, boy, I, I saw some tweets from people who were at the show. I will say they had a really hot crowd, at least at the start. The crowd was into everything. And so they were hot through this match. You got Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Asuka, Raquel Rodriguez, Lacey Evans, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch out there. But, I mean, right from the start, nothing was clicking in this match. It was like botch spot after botch spot. To me, this match was choreography at its worst. You know, like, I hear... I hear the criticisms people have sometimes of, of, you know, some of the indie style or like the Young Bucks style, and they'll say it looks way too rehearsed. It looks, you know, everything looks choreographed, you know, to a T. And I can kind of, I get that criticism, but at least when you're watching the Bucks, for example, who are great, everything flows. It's very fast paced. Here in this match, it seemed like every woman was just standing around like, waiting for their next very well rehearsed spot. Did you guys have that thought as you were watching this? Yeah. And it, it, it seemed awkward in the way that, you know, kind of, as you pointed out the timing of it all, it almost seemed like, you know, it was, there was, it was glitchy or, you know, buffering at certain points where they'd be like starting <laughs> like, Oh wait, what do we do next? What's, what's going on? Um, but yeah, like, the, the spot I can't get out of my head is uh, when Rodriguez was stuck in the chair in the corner and Shotzi tried running up it and fell oh. in the ladder. Then she like slowly got out of it and did the uh, weakest, dumbest looking DDT ever onto the ladder, onto Rodriguez. Just, I couldn't couldn't do anything but shake my head at that point. Yeah, Shotzi was real bad in this match. Um, she was just off. I mean, yeah, the, the corner spot was the most egregious that you mentioned. Run up the ladder, stumbling. Run up the ladder, going for the DDT, falling awkwardly, doing the DDT. Um, the part where she did like the senton and she smoked the back of her head on the ladder and started bleeding. Yeah. Oh, man. It was bad. It was really bad. Commentary was trying to cover up for it. I can't remember what Graves said on that DDT out of the corner, but it was something like, oh, innovative offense or something like, yeah, innovative. All right. Mm. It was... It was real ugly. Uh, Carlo, your thoughts? Let's throw it to you right now. It, it was Bowman's show. I'm going to quote JR. It was, um, yeah, Shotzi was particularly bad. One of the notes I made was Shotzi was awful. Um, it was just so many botches. I think what impacted the crowd on that match was there was only really three people they thought had a shot at winning. So that's more than half the field gone. You know, it's, some of these characters aren't looking smiling. Raquel, I mean, what's that? It's just... It's really bad, and obviously the winner got a really good reaction, and that's fantastic, but when we talk about what happens later in the night, it shows that reaction is probably going to be meaningless in two months maximum, probably less time. Mm. And I just, yeah, I just thought there was just something really off. And it's a thing throughout the night for me. It felt half-paced. Like, I was like, you know, like I said about the Young Bucks, those matches are snappy, they're quick, the movement, it was just so slow and... 
you know, it exposed to me in the women's division. And this is not an anti-woman dressing sentiment. It's been proven time and time again with the tag goal and the tag match at last year's WrestleMania, which are probably two of the worst WrestleMania matches of all time. They mm. don't have the depth of talent to be able to do these multi-person matches. They're difficult enough to work for experienced guys, let alone, you know, a lot of someone as um she's put there's a lot of inexperience in, in the match. Lacey's only just come back, Raquel's only just been moved up, Shotzi's been I think she's been at what for nine months, but she's barely been used. So right. to be put in this sort of match, I just think it's asking a lot of them. And again, they burn a million banks for up on the same night for I think that's like a fourth time. I think Carmella is the only person to have not cashed in within a day of the getting the, the briefcase. So clearly they've got no creative direction for it. So why have two briefcases? It's just such a such a waste of time. Yeah. No, and I like Shotzi. I don't even really know what her character is other than she used to drive a tank. You know, like why she's not allowed why to would you now, be into she... it? Yeah. Uh, Lacey Evans, they want to be a baby face and she just got booed <laughs> out of the building. You know, I'm sure they'll turn her. But it's obvious people aren't going to cheer for Lacey Evans. And so not the they weren't not cheering the only for to get booed out of the uh, building as well. No. We'll do Alexa Bliss and her um, oh, promo. Yeah, we'll get to that one. That was really bad. That was cringeworthy. The credit card mm-hmm. promo later in the show. Yeah, that was not good. Yeah, it was. So it was. It was very hard to buy any of them winning. You know, here they're kind of pushing Lacey Evans. So I guess you could have maybe seen them doing that. The crowd would have just lost their shit in the first match. So if Lacey Evans had won here, uh, Liv, yeah, they were very much behind her. So you know, it was a nice moment, but boy, it was a mess getting there. Have you guys noticed, and this is something I noticed watching this match in particular, especially with like the ladders everywhere and stuff, that it seems like they're conditioned to like, you know, like when you're goofing around with your buddies and maybe you're like pretending to do a wrestling match or something, but you're like moving around in slow motion and you like fall against the wall and you're like, oh, you awkwardly hit your head and then you fall against the other wall and you awkwardly hit your head, but you're like joking around. It seems like they do that. It's like anytime anyone stumbled in this match, it's like, oh, I hit my head off the mat. But it looked Mm -hmm. like they didn't hit their head off the mat. It just looked ridiculous. It just seems to me like anytime someone moves around, they're just instinctively pretending to hit their head against something (laughs) all the time. It was just really egregious in this match, I thought. Yeah, uh, you know, God bless her. But Becky Lynch had an especially bad one on a drop to hold Mm -hmm. where her head went into the ladder and it was just like, oh, that wasn't even close. And it's just kind of corny selling, as you're Mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. So, yeah, the the corner spot that we mentioned earlier, that was the big one that I had mentioned. Uh, also, Asuka and Becky on the outside, they had set up like the ladder bridge. Becky jumps off uh, on Asuka, overshoots her, lands across her chest. The ladder doesn't break, looked really brutal. Uh, in the end, it comes down to Becky and Liv. Liv fights her off, grabs the money in the bank briefcase, gets the win. Again, the crowd popped. They love seeing the victory for Liv Morgan. They've been behind her for years, so that was a nice moment. They, the match they, is bad. They chanted, this is awesome during it. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. <laughs> I'm in the Facebook group about that. I said something like, God bless the WWE who have been able to convince their audience that this match is worthy of this is awesome chance. Almost everything in the match was a botch, it seemed like. I mean, it was botch after botch. It was so sloppy. I guess the live crowd didn't notice. Maybe they couldn't tell from where they were sitting, but it was bad. Go back and watch this one on tape if you were there. It was a real bad match. Real bad. So, 
Yeah. Uh, Hugh said Lacey's a natural heel. Definitely needs a mm -hmm. heel turn. Agree. Yeah. Uh, so Jesse. Jesse Velazquez checking in. Congrats to Liv. Yet I'm conditioned to thinking Charlotte will be champ by the end of August. Liv may be an afterthought like Nikki Ash and Carmella before her. We're going to talk about that and the direction when we get to the cash-in because I got some thoughts on that. Yeah, Justin. I, that's what I was going to get to right now, but I can hold off. Oh, I mean, if you, if you want to get to it now, we can. It, I, I've heard the working plan is Liv and Ronda Rousey for SummerSlam, which if that's the case, you think that Rousey's going over. Um, everyone thought it was going to be Rousey and Charlotte Flair. Wouldn't you rather do Liv and Charlotte Flair if they're going to have Liv lose the title? Because they're, they're getting to Charlotte and Rousey, you know, in the short, I wouldn't even say long run, short term. They're going to be getting to that pretty soon. Ugh. So, I mean, like, how do you have, you have Liv lose to Rousey, lose the title back. They want Rousey to be a baby face. That's not going to work. The crowd in Nashville shit all over that. So wouldn't you just do Charlotte and Liv and Charlotte gets the heel heat that they want? Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, how do we feel about live being champ at all i mean kind of to jesse's point i think i'm pretty sure we'd all believe that she will be an afterthought as you pointed out to either ronda rousey or charlotte but mm -hmm. i you know i saw somebody on twitter make this point uh it was garrett kidney he's, he's a good follow and he was talking about how the money in the bank has just become it's just being used for first-time champions and it just seems like it it takes away all the oomph of, you know of the moment of somebody becoming a champion and that they're not about telling stories that make sense to characters it's all they care about is moments for the people because i think we'd all agree that like Liv morgan the person we're all happy for her but are do any of us take or have, does she have any credibility as a champion. What do you think, Carlo? I don't, yeah, I don't think she does. And this is a pretty, it felt like a make good. Because I was scratching my head watching it live thinking, why, why have they done this again? Why have they gone down this route? Particularly with a hook at the end, it's like, well, it would have made sense around to turn heel. So I, I've written a note saying, end of Rousey. For now, question mark, thinking maybe we've got nothing, nothing for her. All the other four was, well, we don't need to have the belt at some time to be a big name. We can do an attraction match with someone. But I guess, yeah, it's why if you're going to put the belt back on Ronda through Flair or Flair through what Ronda, I'm assuming that match is going to be great at Crown Jewel. I'm guessing that's what the Saudis will want. Um, then why do this? Why not have Liv, you know, you know, mix up a bit, turn on Bianca. Bianca needs yeah. someone. Come on to Bianca. She needs someone. She needs a dance partner. I don't think going back with Becky is the answer. The other scenario, which seems likely, is even the worse answer. So it just seems, you know, do something different. That's, you know, that's where WWE aren't taking these risks anymore, where AEW, they took the risk as an example on Omega, turning him heel when he wasn't getting the full steam as a babyface. Why, you know, take these risks? Because, as you say, what is Luke Morgan to whatever the casual fan is now? I mean, yeah, the people enjoyed it in the crowd, but in two months' time, will I be happy about it? Probably not. They'll be thinking, well, why, why did we bother wasting our time? Yeah, I, I just don't think these titles really mean anything at all. I mean, they, Not they to be an independent man. Yeah, they, they pass They're around the titles. Is. 
Yeah, think about the people who have held the titles over the years. And, you know, like Carmella was champion. Nikki was champion. Like, it doesn't, it didn't matter. And it was a nice moment for her and stuff. She's not going to have a long title reign. I don't think anyone expects that. I, the crowd loves her. Like, I wish they would give her legitimacy and push her properly. I just have zero confidence that the company would actually do that. And so, like, yeah, with the money in the bank and, and the whole discussion you guys were getting into there, we did a show four years ago on Top Rope Nation talking about Stephanie Money did, in the yeah. Bank has run its course, you know, like, like, yeah, right before 2018's Money in the Bank. And we talked about this so many times on the show, but I hate when baby faces cash in like that, you know, I, it just makes it look cheap, well, you know, like, yeah, nice moment. Liv gets to hold the title, but she won in a bullshit way. You it, know, like, wouldn't you rather see her win legitimately? And against another, you know, quote unquote, baby face. Right. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense, you know. I mean, we just, just like, we just did this with Big E, and it failed miserably. Right, like you want, and at least he announced, you know, like he was going to cash in and stuff. But like, yeah, if you're a babyface, I like the advance notice. I'm cashing in. We're going to wrestle at SummerSlam, that kind of thing. When they win the cheap way after someone's had a match, I just don't really like it at all. Because you know, if you follow Liv Morgan's career for years, and like, let's say you're a hardcore Liv Morgan fan, if you've been waiting for this for months and months, like Justin Join has, you know, you know, <laughs> facial right there, you know, like, wouldn't you rather see her have like a legitimate match where she finally goes over? Wouldn't that be the payoff you wanted? Not this, you know. It's just, I don't know, but. They're going to hate it when they take the belt off of her, especially if it's Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam, who they don't want to turn. Look, when Liv cashed in on her later in the show, you thought, I mean, I thought this is the perfect time to turn Ronda because it was weird how she like presented her with the title. Mm-hmm. She had the hurt knee. We'll talk about that with an Italian match. It was just like, okay, you did it. If Ronda Rousey's this badass, wouldn't she be screaming at her? I don't care if she's a baby face. She just took yeah. your title. Wouldn't she be like, what the hell? What kind of bullshit is that? And attack her. You know, and the crowd would booed, but they were already booing Ronda throughout the match. You could establish her as this heel, but they don't want her to be a heel because Charlotte's coming back and they want Charlotte to be the heel. So to me, that's why you got to do Charlotte and Liv Morgan at SummerSlam. So, I mean, it just it doesn't even look like Ronda really wants to be out there right now. So don't have her on SummerSlam. No, no. We'll, we'll talk about the problems with Ronda in a match, but it's it's not connecting at all mm-hmm. on any level. I don't even think a heel turn would make a big difference. It would give people the ability to boo without it annoying the office, but does anyone really care in a crowd? You know, they boo, they boo guys that they don't like, and it makes no difference. Yeah, it's it's very hard to... We'll get this to this with Austin Theory or Theory, but it's very hard to tell like what is actual heel heat and what is just like indifference. And I hate this guy and I hate it that they're shoving him down my throat mm. kind of thing. So speaking of Theory, that was the next match. Lashley and Theory, U.S. title. Crowd loved Bobby Lashley. Yep. You know, here's another guy they should be pushing to the moon. He, he got like a title here. He is, a, he is one of the few superstars they have. Yeah. You know, people loved his title reign. And... He could immediately go back to the top of the card, you know, like he teased that. What was that a couple of months ago or was that their last pay-per-view? I can't even remember when he held up the replica title. Um, he got the U.S. title back here. So whoop de doo with that. I guess, you know, it's a cool belt, but it's the U.S. title. I mean, here's a guy who could be at the top of the card and he takes the, the U.S. title from theory crowd very much into this match. And like I said, Lashley in particular, the match itself was I thought was very basic. 
I mean, there was really nothing to rave about, but the crowd was with them like the whole way. Um, I mean, you can make the argument Lashley was the most over person on the men's roster on this entire show. You know, everything he did, they were into. He busted open his mouth during the match. He was bleeding from his mouth at the end. In the end, uh, Theory goes for his finish. Lashley slips out, puts on the hurt lock, and, and wins pretty much immediately to capture the title. And again, massive, massive pop from the crowd. Uh, Carla, what'd you think of the match? It was a, it was a very basic match. It felt quite nineties. In you've got the the chicken shit heel running away and trying to, mm-hmm. you know, get the you know, the big baby face into, into peril. It was it was okay. I think the problem here is that they're in the wrong position. These two guys. Yep. Lashley should be the one with a briefcase. Yep. And Theory should be the one as a US champion. The obviously we'll talk about Theory in, in the main event, but. I don't see how this benefits Bobby Lashley going into another, you know, US title run. What he's he's above that, and the only thing I could think that would be marginally beneficial from it if he did say start doing the US, you know, US chip, you know, US Open Challenge, mm-hmm. and maybe that leads to a Cena match. So they swap things around and see, but it doesn't look that's the case. But you know, if you got broken with Cena, that would be a benefit. But that's not going to happen. He's going to be. He'll be messing around with someone from Judgment Day, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, prob- probably will be Damien Priest versus SummerSlam, uh, versus Lashley at SummerSlam, if he's even on the card. Yeah. That's, I, that's I, a sad state with theirs. Yeah, I love the point you made there, and Justin, you were agreeing with them, is, yeah, the roles are reversed, because Lashley is one of those guys that they have who is legitimately over. They have very yeah. few people who are actually over, and he's one of them. And so putting the U.S. title on him basically feels like they're hamstringing him. Like, you know, people have this perception of the U.S. title picture. Theory just had it. The crowd hates. Not for good reasons. Not legitimate heel heat, in my opinion. And now he's just saddled in that picture now, Justin. Yeah, exactly what you guys have said is that, you know, they say that the the man makes the title, but that title has been so entrenched in the mid card and just kind of made to feel so meaningless that as soon as he got it, it just it made Bobby Lashley feel less special, even though the crowd in the moment loved it. But I mean, just Ooh. going forward to your guys's points, it's just gosh, they just they should have flip flop, you know, these two guys on this show. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just so, oh, oh, I mean, like why Lashley isn't going for the title? It, he didn't actually drop it in himself. He basically got injured and. You know, little things like that just irritate me where it's like, come on, like, why would this guy want to get the secondary title when he had the main title at the start of the year and shouldn't have lost it? And yeah. why was he going for money in the bank? I get, I mean, obviously, the money in the bank situation was affected by, by the Cody injury, but there's a good maker that's put, you know, put the briefcase on Lashley, and Lashley says, well, um, you know, I'm going to take Roman at SummerSlam rather than what we're getting, which is apparently the last ever match. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. The biggest feud of the decade, apparently. Isn't that the thing? Is this so wild, though, is that they think they got nobody for, for Roman to face. He's went through everybody. They think they have nobody, so they have to go back to Brock. When they got Bobby Lashley sitting there, who's legitimately over, who teased the world title... Now let's just make him U.S. champion. You know, like, I remember being a kid watching pro wrestling, and once in a while, you would see a guy who had been world champion 
you know, wrestling for a secondary title or out there with the IC champ or the US champ or something. And I'm like thinking at the time, like they're not going to get that title. Why would they want that title? You know, like I remember one time you know, Bret Hart was wrestling Rocky Maivia on Raw, I think, for the IC title. I was like, why would Bret Hart mm. be IC champion? He's not going to win the IC title. Well, here we are. Bobby Lashley, US champion. Well, I mean, speaking of Bret Hart and the United States Championship, that that was his entire WCW run, basically. And that's what people joke about, right? Bret Hart goes to WCW, they make him the U.S. champ. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't get that. But, yeah, crowd is very much behind him. And so, they, I mean, they got to act on Lashley. I would like it if they brought back the open title challenge. That would be cool. That's a great idea, yeah. Especially if they really pulled in some people that felt fresh, you know. You know, not not pulling out. Okay, here's the open challenge. Here comes the Judgment Day guys. Like that's, that's not yeah, even something even something like Sami Zayn coming out. Sami Zayn can bump all over the place for him. Something you know, bring out something different on Raw rather than it just be you know, say the Judgment Day or you know, insert heel here the Miz once he's done with Logan Paul. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, it's not good. After this match, they went backstage, Liv Morgan, pretty good interview, you know, tear, tears coming down her cheeks, talking about winning money in the bank. She says that uh, WrestleMania is sounding pretty good for a cash-in. She's got it for the next year. Uh, but for right now, she said she just wants to celebrate. Uh, then they had that they advertised the new A&E biographies that are on the way. This includes Undertaker, Edge, a show on WrestleMania 1, Goldberg, DX, The Bellas, Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle, and Lex Luger, who they made the what? icons on just to join, and they have what? yet to air it. <laughs> do you what? do you do you think it is just the icon doc and they're just moving it to A E? Or do you think this is a completely separate one? I think it'll be completely separate. Jesus. But look, I mean, what is it? The company is so profitable, but yet they waste money. Like they made the Lex Luger doc that everyone wanted to see. All they got to do is put it up on Peacock. They made the one on, uh, what's his name? I just, it's like on the tip Vladimir. of the super fan. Vladimir have never aired that. They even put together a preview for it and they have never put that up on Peacock or the network. I don't get it, man. Give me the Lex Luger icon. And everyone was raving about that icon series. You know, when it started, it were very good. And they have just stopped uploading those for whatever reason. But we got the new A&E biographies on the way. So we can see how they slaughter those. Speaking of slaughter, this next match was very average. Uh, It was this was not good. Not good at all. Bianca Belair, Carmella. They went seven minutes and 10 seconds. It felt twice as long as that. (laughs) I was shocked when I saw it was only seven minutes when I looked up this match time this morning because I thought that that was like a 14, 15-minute match. It dragged and dragged and dragged. Uh, Of course, when Carmella makes her entrance, Corey Graves is raving on commentary about he's going to leave with the new Raw Women's Champ tonight. They're going to test the limits of Sin City. And there was one funny line. Graves said, Triple H told me about a real romantic spot here in Vegas. That was funny. <laughs> that I got to give good. Graves credit on yep. that. That was good. But like I said, this felt way longer. It's just a glorified television match. In the end, Bianca wins with the KOD. Then Carmella attacks her after Bianca won. So we're going to get a rematch. Yay. Going to get another one. Joy. Uh, yeah, it's not good. No reason to seek this one out if you didn't see it, Carlo. Yeah. No, no, it was garbage. It was 
it, it was just, I don't like Carmilla at no. all. She's got a, a horrendous voice, that her high pitched squeal. It's just, and I don't know about you guys, but I find the Graves thing irritating. Like, okay, we're not in, we're not in 1984. We know it's, we, we know all the inside baseball, but those little references, it's quite sycophantic. And I'm, mm-hmm. If he was like that for the rest, if he was like Bobby Heenan for the rest of the show, it would kind of like work. But he's all over the place with his character. I just thought this was a complete waste of Bianca, and it's a real danger she can get cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She keeps messing around with Carmella, and, that, and if that is a rematch, I hope it's on a roll. But then I don't know what else they've got for her other than going back to the world with Becky, unless, and I don't know what the draft status was on Bailey. A heel Bailey coming back on Raw to check because timeline wise she must be close to getting back. I know there's mm-hmm. reports saying she's ready for an in-ring return. Maybe something like that would maybe you know because Bianca is feeling not cold because the crowd is still reacting well, but she's starting to taper off a little bit. And it's just yeah, it's these sort of matches that just kill a run completely. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. This is a. Uh where I jumped in on the show last night, you know, left the party kind of late, got home and I just said, I'm going to watch it live. And then I'd go back and watch the rest of it later on. So, you know, I got my laptop set up, my station, got the show on the cock. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there watching this match with like a thousand miles stare and it ends. And I looked down and I didn't take a single freaking note. There's just <laughs> nothing going on that I gave a crap about. Or nothing right now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the that's my thoughts on this match. But these are two world champions, Justin. Carmella is a former SmackDown Women's Champion. Former Miss Money in the Bank. She's a star, right? How, how many of them aren't former champions? I know, exactly. <laughs> to the point earlier. I mean, they just rotate these titles around and we're going to get a rematch. And, yeah, it was it was not good. Um Carla, you brought up Bailey coming back, and I had heard that there might be some reluctance to turn Ronda because Charlotte coming back, heel, Bailey coming back, heel. But do you guys think that Bailey's going to get booed when she comes back? Because a lot of times when these people come back from injuries, we know historically they get huge responses positive because people are happy to see him again. I know Bailey had a heel character, but boy, I feel like when she first comes out, she's going to get a large baby face response. Because they've got that situation, with, yeah, they've got that situation with Becky now, where she's not really being booed um, mm-hmm. as a heel. Bailey, the character Bailey had potentially coming back and turning on Bianca could get a boo, mm-hmm. but it, it can't be that you know appear from you know appear to my, your entrance means it's got to be a running, an actual true running to mm-hmm. do it. Because otherwise, that's that's what screws them up when they do these returns. Like with Seth, you know, Seth Rollins when he returned, what was that twenty sixteen? Yeah, huge response, he, positive, huge yeah. response, and they knew he would have got that, that response. And even with a running, he still got that. And again, who who was he kicking in the gut? It was Roman Reigns, of course, yeah. he didn't cheer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, six years ago, of course, that was going to happen. Um, but yeah, does, does that risk there? But I, I don't know what else they do for for a. It's there's such a you know, a sort of lack of depth in challenges in that women's division. Again, I don't think they should have two separate belts in that division. It's been been that way probably since the brand split. The you know six years ago, they need one belt, and I've won champion. They had the opportunity for a year to go to do that and decided to unify and split them, which is a typical 
WWE give us give the big marquee thing and then split them. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised the undisputed championship is still the undisputed championship. <laughs> yeah. To be quite honest, that that'll happen at some point, no doubt. Yeah. All right. After this one, they showed footage of Logan Paul signing with WWE. Crowd booed the shit out of this. Of course, Logan Paul, babyface. <laughs> Do they not uh, he... watch YouTube? Do they have no Logan Paul's character? <laughs> like I'm, I'm, a, I'm like I watch a lot of YouTube, and um, the big thing over here was a KSI Logan Paul boxing, and Logan Paul was the heel of that, complete heel of that. And it's like yeah. that's his character, Paul Brother Heels. They're agitators, like you know. I guess there's they they're thinking putting him against Miz will make make him get cheered, but Miz is that good in the mic. You know he'll end up. It'll be it'll be that smart crowd mentality that cheered him at Barclays a few years ago when he was laying off on Cena and Reigns. I think he was laying off on, and it's like that's going to happen because smart crowd are going to be like, well, no, we don't want this guy. Yeah, yeah. I had that. I had my notes. You know, he was working hard, talking about how the he is not a friend of the Miz. He wants to wrestle the Miz at SummerSlam, and then I wrote yank yank. nobody cares they just booed him the whole time i heard Meltzer talking about this on observer radio this morning how well he's a baby face because he's a star and he wants to be a baby face i'm sorry man you sign this guy he works for you yep you tell him dude you can't be a baby face they don't like you you have to be a heel if you can get them in your corner we can flip you baby face it makes no sense to push him as a baby face as we heard from the response here well, I think he did a bit of a power play as well because I saw a podcast with him, a UK, a UK podcaster, when he announced he was signed with WWE, and that was like a week before the, before this. So he kind of like always said, "I think I'm more important than, than the brand, and I'm just going to announce I'm signing before anything's been officially done." So mm-hmm. yeah, it's he's Logan Paul. He's big on YouTube, but it's not going to get anyone. You know, sign up to network over here or a cock over there. <laughs> you know, people are going to roll their eyes and say, oh, you know, he did well for a non wrestler. Well, Donovan Steerer did well for a non wrestler two summer slams ago, and that soon changed. <laughs> Poor Dominic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was right after this then that they had the credit card segment. So they're, oh, Jesus they're, Christ. I can't believe I, I put this in my notes, but I did because it was so bad. I actually had to jot this down. So. Alexa Bliss is walking down the corridor. She comes up to her dressing room. The camera follows her into her dressing room, and then they flip to another camera in the dressing room. So there's someone just hanging out in her dressing room with the camera, I guess. And she walks up, of course, to Lily the doll and asks Lily how she bought all this stuff in the locker room, all this merch that's sitting everywhere. And then she says, oh, it's the WWE credit card. And she pulls this credit card out from one of the pieces of clothing or something and the crowd just booed unmercifully (laughs) real cringeworthy shit right here uh she she held up like these shoes or roller skates or something i was like oh these aren't my size ask me my size next time lily i mean this is just embarrassing this is so bad oh boy and then they went to the street profits and the usos and yeah this was a good match this is i mean this is a match of the show no doubt about it they gave them a lot of time 23 minutes to be exact so the early part of the match yeah it was very very slow i mean they knew they were getting a lot of time so they kind of had to work it that way so long heat segments early justin why don't you give me your thoughts on the early portion of this match 
so, well, first off, I want to point out uh, Corey Graves saying that the street profits 312 day reign as tag champs feels like ancient history. And mm-hmm. I couldn't have agreed with that more. That does feel like ancient history. Um, so, boy, this is kind of a bigger point of I, I admittedly, I try to watch as little WWE programming as possible. And speaking of which, Ryan, I, I think we need to permanently make these reviews done on, you know, Mondays during the day when I'm at work for, from here on <laughs> out. Okay. Well, here's the thing, though. WWE seems to have realized that Saturday pay-per-views are better and that, you know, we're getting to do these on Sundays when everyone's off work. Oh, AEW, man. what the hell is Tony Khan doing? They were the ones who initially did the Saturday pay-per-views and were like rejoicing. Yes, it's way better to do them on Saturdays. And now they're doing theirs on Sundays. Yeah. What the heck, man? I mean, this is one of the few things WWE's got right. It's the Saturday pay-per-views. Yes. So <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. The, the last few uh, premium live events uh, you and Kyle have covered because, you know, I'm, I'm at work and I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Can't. Um. So I have honestly, I have just not watched barely any WWE programming. And I've been watching a lot of AEW. I've watched a little bit of GCW, a little bit of New Japan. And to jump in on on a WWE match is kind of jarring because of their style and how different it is from everything else. And, you know, I don't mind a little bit of a buildup in a match or to, you know, a slow burn. But their slow burn seems like super slow, <laughs> yeah. like over the top slow. And and then, you know, you know, you add in the camera work and how jarring that is. It just it makes it really difficult for me to get into a match. And I kind of bumped up against that here and especially seeing people in our Facebook thread and, you know, Twitter started to liven up a little bit during this match and everybody was praising it. And I just didn't have that same feeling. I thought it was it was above average, certainly in the last 10 minutes were fantastic. But Jesus, it really lost me there for a while. And my biggest takeaway in the entire thing is. Uh, Montez Ford is jacked. He is singles jacked. And I, I thought that's what we were getting here. My assumption is with the finish where uh, the heel pulled his shoulder shoulder off the mat instead of him doing it. I, I'm assuming that's going to lead to a rematch, maybe at SummerSlam, where I think Dawkins will take the pinfall and that will lead to the breakup. Maybe because my conundrum there is... Montez Ford needs to be a baby face and not a heel, but mm-hmm. you know, prove me wrong. I I'm okay with it either way. I, I just want to see his singles push. Well, see, it seems like it's coming. You know, we always talk about here on the show and Kyle always says this, the commentary kind of beats you over the head with what they want to accomplish. And they actually mentioned like he's added 20 pounds of muscle yeah. on commentary. And you can tell, especially for yeah. someone like me who hasn't been watching regularly. I mean, compared to a year ago, you can tell he's yep. put on 20 pounds of muscle. And on SmackDown, they had said that uh, there had been reports that there had been some dissension between the Street Profits. So they're like, they are planting the seeds right now. And I put up a poll on Twitter asking people if they're ready for Montez Ford singles run or not. And it wasn't as blow away as I thought it would be. It was it was above 50-50. More people want to see Ford as the uh, 
on, on a singles run, but not as many people as I had thought, actually. Let me pull that up right now, actually. Uh, 64% said, yes, they're ready for the singles run. 35% not yet. I feel like yeah, I know it's going to hurt Dawkins, although Dawkins was very good in this match. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of this Agreed. has been kind of the uh, the general narrative is that when Ford goes singles, you know, Dawkins is going to be hurt and he probably will be hurt. He could succeed on his own. I mean, he showed here he can he can go. But um, I mean, that's been the general narrative is that it's going to hurt Dawkins. But at the same time, man, Ford is obviously a star in the making to me. He's got so much charisma. He's jacked right now, as you could say. Guy's one of the best workers in the company. I mean, he could be something special. And I think you run the risk, Justin. You put this in the Facebook group last night that if you don't strike while the while the iron is hot, they could miss their moment with him. Especially, you know, if they get bogged down doing the same matches for months and months and months here in the tag division and, and losing. You know, in yeah. in Kyle Ryan on the Facebook thread had a great point of you know he doesn't want them to break them up because of the complete lack of depth in the you mm-hmm. know the tag team division but like you said I, you could really miss the boat on montez ford if, if you don't do it sooner rather than later yeah and, and as far I, as i'm sorry yeah, real quick and as far as dawkins go i i do hope obviously if there's some sort of split and maybe you do a quick you know dawkins ford uh feud i, I do hope they have somebody lined up for him to tag with because I, I think he has a long career as a, a tag team specialist yeah uh kyle said in the chat where does he go he's not going to take down roman is he going to take on gunther i just don't want him to get lost in the shuffle i think that's the i mean you got to take the risk though if you have something special here with this guy he could take down i laid out just a very easy story in the facebook group last night that they could do where you know if they're gonna split them they wouldn't even have to have like a turn with angelo dawkins and montez ford what they could do is just uh, you could have the Usos just savagely beat down Dawkins, you know, like injure him. He's out for months. It leaves Montez Ford there to just go it on his own. And, you know, he, he gets he's out for revenge against the Usos. He's finding himself as a singles. It comes out that not it wasn't just the Usos that did that. But, you know, it was Roman Reigns that he hired the hit that he wanted Dawkins not just beat, but injured and out for good. And then so then you tell the story of Ford coming after Roman Reigns. And in the end, he does beat Roman Reigns. And that's how you make a big star. You know, you go all the way in on this guy. You don't do this 50-50 booking bullshit. You have the guy look dominant or like he's fighting himself, but he works to that point where he can take on a guy like Roman Reigns and he can actually beat the guy. I don't have any confidence they would do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like that's it's very wrestling is very simple. When you lay it out that way, that like, yeah, the guy is very popular with the crowd. You could build up to that and they would buy it. He's a special talent, but I just don't think they would go in, all in on him like that. So, yeah, it does make you worry. But at the same time, you can't have this guy in the single or the tag team division forever and miss the boat on him either. So it, it, it could be a risky proposition, but I feel like they got to strike while it looks like the iron is hot. What, what do you think about all this, Carlo, and, and the singles talk with Montez Ford? So I think in terms of the match itself, it's a good good to great match. But I do share what Justin said, that it was in danger of going long. Mm-hmm. But they, they hit the finish stretch at the right time. So I started to look at my phone. Bear in mind, I was watching this like half seven in the morning. So I'm not going to be distracted by much of my phone on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but I, even I was starting because I just find that when you, I look again, watching it, not live. You know, I paused it to get coffee, so I knew how much time was left. But 
well, I'm not going to give Ronda Natty that much time. So you kind of knew this match was going to get time. So you're almost preconditioning, well, it's going to go. It's going to go along in the middle. In terms of Montez Ford, I've thought for probably the last year that it's about it, it's about time they start to look down that route. I think the big question is, and, and what Carl Ryan said about where does he go, that's all defined by what's happening at the top of the card. If the title's going to remain on Roman through to Mania, then I guess it does limit these guys below because what are they going to do? I mean, timeline-wise, what, we're probably three months away from a draft. So it would make sense that they do something where they do the two properties are split up and then he could go down the IC route potentially on SmackDown. You know, mm. you know on the bigger show now, because SmackDown is the bigger show in terms of viewing numbers, I, I think that's a, not a bad shout. Yeah, Dawkins could be slotted into many tag teams. And in terms of tag depth, there's plenty of teams that can make up. You've got guys in SmackDown. Why aren't Butch and, um, what is it? The other shameless guy, I forget his name now. Um, it's completely gone up my head. Ridge. Ridge. Why, why are they a tag team? You know, yeah. Madcap, Madcap Moss, what's he doing now? You know, he's come out of a feud with Baron Corbin and he's not got any, he's not got, Corbin's got a big SummerSlam program. You know, Moss could be, you know, be tagging with someone. You know, they do this. So there's plenty of plenty of guys out there to beef up the tag team just to keep a team together that are probably, potentially, one of them is going to be stronger apart than they are together. And Dawkins, you know, if he did the heel turn, you could almost do that sort of rockers, who's going to work from this, you know, the heel that on a baby face. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, you're giving yourself a better chance from two, two rather than just have Dawkins potentially disappear. But I get... There's always a risk there that Dawkins fails, and then he's he's a Marty Jannetty again. But yeah, I, yeah, but I just don't. I I feel like you can't use that to sway away from pushing a guy who's so obviously no, a star. No. You know, like imagine if the WWF looked at the Hart Foundation and they were like, "Boy, but you know what's going to happen to Jim Gamble <laughs> Nightheart?" And I'm going to blow your mind. And they, right they fired him. They fired him. Yeah. I was listening to the um, to Carl and Liam's part yeah. of the Nightly series. I was re-listening to that this morning, and. It, Nardo got fired, and he was only kept on because Demolition were going to go. So they, they had that mindset 30 years ago. I but guess the, the world's thing. moved on, but, you know, come on. You might, not, if you're listening, you might not realize this, but the Street Profits have been together for six years. Their first, their first NXT TV match together yep. was in March of 2016. Six years. Wow. The Heart Foundation. How long was the Heart Foundation together? About six years. It's time. It's time. Yeah. You got to roll with it. And, you know, he's a he's a star. The, the The tag division has such little depth and they do the same thing over and over. And I get I get this discussion of, well, then you're taking away another team. It's not on Montez Ford. That's on creative. I'm sorry. Yep. You don't hold back Montez Ford because you don't have anything else. You got to push Montez Ford. Right. And so that can't be a reason that you don't do it. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are going to be without a without another tag team in a weak division. But at the same time, you keep them there and they're working the same damn matches over and over and over. And eventually Montez Ford loses some of his buzz. And that's the risk. And I feel like this is a promotion, especially over the last 10 years where they don't strike while the iron is hot. And that's why they miss out on guys. And I don't want to see that happen here. So I just I think it's about time. It's been they've been teaming over six years together, six and a half years. I mean, so it's time. It's time. I mean, it's 
Look at the Rockers. You mentioned Marty Jannetty. I mean, they've been teaming way longer than the Rockers. So we'll see. Christian weren't around for half that time as an actual Mm -hmm. tag team. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. That's that's mental. Yeah. So, I mean, the match itself, though, like I said, it showed that Dawkins could go. So, I mean, the early portion of the match, as Justin said, was very slow, WWE style. They drill that into these guys when they bring them into the performance center. You're going to work WWE style, which is very slow and plodding. And I totally get how that loses people, especially to your point, Justin, if you've been watching a lot of AEW and New Japan, you know, it's it doesn't mesh the same way. But it was this long heat segment where Ford was mostly getting worked over. They get the hot tag to Dawkins, and then that's kind of where the match started picking yep. up. Dawkins hit a flip dive to the outside, showing that he can go. He had a crazy uh, 360 Inzaguri kick that looked really good. This is all Dawkins. Uh, the Profits hit their blockbuster. You get Ford hitting the frog splash. He covers. It's broken up. And then Montez Ford goes wild. And you see all that talent and all of his charisma. He hits his flip dive you know, out of, over the corner, over the ring post that he does to the outside. Crowd goes wild for that. He screams into the camera afterwards. Um, in the end, they build up to the finish where you get the double super kick from the Usos. They hit the 1D. And then as Justin laid out earlier, replay shows that on the opposite side of the referee, Ford's shoulder was being held up off the mat. And so they've got the excuse here to do the rematch. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll have another good match. But uh, lo- the longer term story is what happens to Montez Ford. Yep. All right. So, but yeah, this is the match of the show easily. This is the one to check out if you missed it, I think. Uh, after this, they have this teaser promo where uh, this is everything I've heard. This is about Edge. And you can see that from what the imagery in here. You've got like crosses alluding to Christian. You've got Dudley Boy's glasses. You've got the Hardy's gloves. I think there was a license plate, Latino heat. It's all this stuff from Edge's. Kurt, Kurt Angle's medal. Yep, Kurt Angle's gold medals. So all these people that Edge has been involved with in the past, this is building up for his return. I can totally see how, like, on the surface, people might have thought it was Bray because it had, like, this kind of dark feeling to it. But when you look a little closer, you see what they're actually presenting. And, yeah, this is supposed to be Edge. And then they get to Natalia and Ronda Rousey. They go 12 minutes and 30 seconds. A lot of opinions on this match. Um, what I'll say about it is I didn't have so much problems with the match itself or even like the layout of the match. The problem with this one is the characters and the dynamic of heel face because you got Natalia who's a heel and you got Ronda Rousey who's being presented as a baby face, but nobody wants to cheer her. So essentially it's two heels working like they introduced them before the match and Natty got booed and then they introduced Rousey and she got booed louder, you know? So like <laughs> that's, that's the dynamics here uh, of what you're working with. I mean, they technically want technical wise, there were some botches in this match too. There were sloppy points, but overall, like here's the thing. Natty works fairly well. Like we know that she like, she works with wrestlers down at the performance center. She helps train a lot of the new people coming in. The problem with Natty sometimes is that like she's a little too over the top character wise, like the way she smiles at the crowd and stuff as a heel and, you know, the way she she yells at him. It's like it's almost too much, like too much smiling. She doesn't really sell a lot visually. I thought like the chain wrestling and stuff was fine in the match and it was mm-hmm. 
like it was way better than the money in the bank match earlier if I had to rank these two. But yeah, I mean, overall, just the dynamic didn't work so that it was it was hard to build any heat in the match. So like, uh, let's see, like they're they're logically building up to different, you know, the submission finishers, the sharpshooter, the arm bar. But uh, again, nobody wants to cheer Ronda Rousey. So they have this long heat segment that went on probably too long where Natty's trying to get heat throughout the middle of the match. But the problem is, again, it draws no heat since nobody sees Rousey as a babyface. She can't play babyface in peril when nobody wants to cheer. So after she's been getting worked over by Natty, when Rousey comes back, there's like almost no response from the crowd. So that's the problem with the match is just the dynamics of the characters don't work. They could have, you know, a decent, technically sound match. But in the end, the crowd's not going to get into it because these two characters just don't mesh. And that's again, it's a testament to the lack of depth here in the women's division. I mean, you get they, you know, exchanging sharpshooters late in the match. I will say Natty does a way better sharpshooter than most people we see try sharpshooters. Yep. I mean. Does a way better sharpshooter than Adam Cole. Does a way better sharpshooter than CM Punk. You know, her sharpshooter looks good. And even Rousey, when she locked in the sharpshooter, she did like the Shawn Michaels pose. Did you guys catch that? She like leans to the one side and she posed while she was holding the sharpshooter on. And then commentary talked about how it would be, quote, heartbreaking for Natty to lose like this. That was a nice little touch, I thought. Um, but I mean, Rousey sharpshooter too was better than those two guys. Like yeah. it looked like she was actually leaning back into it. But just, I mean, I could just harp and harp on this. The problem is the dynamics of the match just really didn't work. Justin, in the best parts of the feud coming in weren't even on television. They were their Twitter feud. Yes, about how basically Ronda's a giant prude. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, um, I gotta say, I actually kind of enjoyed this match. Even though while watching it, you know, I don't really care about either character. And I certainly don't think I like Rhonda the person. Uh, but, you know, that aside, I thought the match was pretty good. And I especially liked the the finishing bit. As you said, the chain wrestling was really good with Rhonda having the ankle lock and Natty almost turning that into the sharpshooter. But Rhonda flipping that into the arm bar for the tap mm-hmm. out win. I, I really enjoyed that part, but yeah, it, it's hard to get too invested outside of the ring work when you just don't care about either person. Well, and that's the problem with both women's title matches is you couldn't buy either of them winning. You know, yeah. Like, you know, Bianca Belair is not losing, you know, Rousey's not losing here. And so the results never in doubt at all. And this, this is a premium live event pay-per-view match. And it just, it doesn't work. Like I said, I thought I thought Natalia held together the match pretty well. I mean, clearly they worked on it in advance. There was a point where Ronda forgot a move, I think. Uh, it was like out of the corner. They'd gone to the corner and something didn't jive there. And, you know, they forgot what they were doing there. But overall, I'm sure, you know, Natty worked a lot with her in advance. And I thought she held it together pretty well. But it's just the dynamics don't work, Carlo. What did you think? Yeah, I think, you know, Natalia put a lot of work into the match, clearly, in the performance centre with Ronda. And it makes it, it, feel, it makes it feel harsh saying it, but it's a massive indifference towards Natalia from the crowd. Mm-hmm. People are just like, it's almost like, insert Natalia in there. In the same way, Naomi was a bit like that at times. On the babyface side, they'd insert her into a heels run. Um, I'd say probably with Ronda Rousey for me, taking away the 
disposition side of things because she should be a heel. I just find her matches boring. I just, you know, I was watching a run where actually the friend who owns his hats, and he said to me, Ronda Rousey is boring. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's not. So, <laughs> her, her career high point was her debut match. Yeah. And it's, yep. it has been downhill from there. And making a heel would make a difference, but declares, as we said a few times, I don't want to do that. Um, I did, did get a bit of a chuckle out of the fact that um, they made a massive point of saying, it's Bret Hart's birthday, and Natalia's dedicated the uh, match to her uncle. Yeah, Vince, you can't let it go, can you? You want to stick it to Bret again? Dedicated <laughs> a loss to Bret. I mean, if you had any question who was going to win this match, that was drilled into you at that point. There's no way Natty's winning when they said that, right? Yeah, there, there was another point in the match when they did the spot where um, Ronda and Zinni and Tyler were from the outside. And when suddenly got back in, Ronda was like, said, shit, it's like, I don't, I wrote, why would a babyface want to win by countdown? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they sold that she had the hurt knee and then Natty went to attack the knee and, you know, to eventually hit the sharpshear and that plays into the cash-in, hmm. which we'll get here momentarily. But yeah, it's just they've drilled into you for so long that Natty is just not someone to be taken seriously. And she could have had a much different career. She's got the lineage. Mm-hmm. She's pretty technically sound in a division with a lot of women that don't work well. And so like her ring work can stand out. But yeah, it's just like the last time Natty felt like even interesting was going into that SummerSlam in Toronto. What was that 2019? Like they kind of built her up a little bit for that where she was challenging Becky and mm-hmm. you know, she, she's run-ins like through the crowd, if I remember right. And she felt like a little different. They played into the Canada bit that she was from Canada. That was like the last time that she felt at all interesting as a challenger. And, and before that, it had been years. You know, I mean, so, is she I mean, a victim of yeah? Is she a victim coming in too late, or coming too early? So she she probably was probably five years too early. Like mm-hmm. the, the girls like Sasha and uh, Sasha, I don't particularly rate that highly, but you know, t- better than some of the girls that Natalia was messing around with in the, in the late noughties. But it's just like she came a bit too she came a bit too early. So that's probably a factor. It's like it. Well, I mean, we say about youth by dates, and WWE didn't make any difference. But we've mm-hmm. got guys, the major stars for our SummerSlam, with the exception of Roman, generally going to be guys that were actually era guys or ruthless aggression era guys. So it's not like age is a big factor, but I think, yeah, the fans just look viewers. So she's the old hand now, and it's, yeah. she, it's she, a shame. She's the Dolph Ziggler of the women's division. It's exactly she's right. Dolph <laughs> That's a great comparison. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler makes me turn the TV off, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So yeah, after that finish and the submission, we get the submission finish and then out comes Liv Morgan with the briefcase crowd pops huge for it. So here comes the big baby face cash in, you know, we've got the hurt leg here on Ronda. They start the match and immediately Ronda locks her in a submission and you think like the crowd boos it. Oh my God. She just won the briefcase. This great moment. And now she's going to lose, but nope. She fights out of it. She uh, gets Rhonda in the back of the leg and ends up rolling her up for the finish. And we've got the new SmackDown Women's Champion, at least for a couple of weeks, with Liv Morgan. Um, crowd, Of course, the crowd loved it. I don't know how consequential this is going to be long term. I would guess not very. 
It was a nice moment for Liv Morgan, Justin. Well, that's what it was. They, you know, WWE got their moment. Liv Morgan Great got moments. her moment, and you know, she's she's gonna be back to the mid card in three months. So, mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. Yep. Carlo, anything on the cash in? Yeah, I'll give WWE a little bit of credit on a on a show where they're not getting very much in the sense that they teased the fact that in the promo, the interview, she said, I don't want to mess this up to when she wetens the ankle up. It's like, ah, that's quite, you know, give them a bit of credit. They actually played on that a little bit, but it's going to mean nothing. By the end of SummerSlam, she won't be champion, is my prediction. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, it's, and it comes down to the money in the bank being used as a tool, just just to create transitional champions, not even first-time champions, transitional champions. Yep. L- last year with Miz, Miz, just a transition from McIntyre to, to Lashley. Mm-hmm. It's that there is a tool they tend to use. Like Mickey Ash last year. It's it's just it's just a played out played out thing now. They need to find new ways of creating stars because it's a great start. All it's doing is just be basically putting a, a signal on people before they even being able to explore the potential. And um, Miz is a bit of a different example. That was just a, a tool. But yeah, I I don't I'm not delighted by it at all. Um because I think they could have done something quite interesting with Liv Morgan on this because her character is someone that's quite you know, you saw it when she's coming out, I mean, a bit bit of a giveaway when she came out for the um the opener. She was looking quite emotional but she's winning the match. Mm-hmm. But she's got that sort of character where it's like you could almost play on that, like she's torn by taking the opportunity versus doing the right thing. You could do something like that, do make it different rather than just blow it away in the, the night to get the belts off Ronda onto Flair or back onto Ronda just to pick like a crowd that you're going to, you know, completely piss off in half an hour's time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see how this plays out. Like we talked about earlier in the show, I mean, what they do at SummerSlam again, like the working plan is is Liv and Ronda Rousey, and that's not going to work, I don't think. So if Charlotte's on her way back, I hope they do Charlotte and Liv because Charlotte's a heel, and I'm sure she's going to win the title, and the crowd will boo just like they want them to boo. They don't want them to boo Ronda getting the title back, and that's what they will do in Nashville. So we'll see. it's a triple threat. Um- Completely unlikely because I could see them going down that route. Ronda Flair live. I mean, they could, but I just don't even like why they would put Ronda out there other than just wanting her, you know, star power, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because in that that scenario, still, I think Charlotte should win. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, she could, Ronda could pin Charlotte and then Liv doesn't get pinned. You could do that. But they'll still boo because Liv doesn't have the title anymore. So, yeah. They have to mess with their working plans a little bit here, I think, once they actually think about how this is going to play in front of the live crowd. Or maybe they don't care. <laughs> you know, maybe they don't care. We'll see. Uh, uh, I think you're spot on that. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. The money is in the bank, so to speak, for this company, and they don't care about the product all yes. that much. As evidenced by Kevin Dunn's camera work throughout the show. Jesus, Justin, you mentioned <gasps> that earlier. Yeah. We, we've heard Johnny Ace has fallen on the sword here for Vince. Could we get Kevin Dunn to fall on the sword? Because I, by this point in the show, I've got a headache from all the camera cuts as we go into the main event. And we're going to get a lot of them here in this main event because we got the ladders. It's the men's money in the bank match. What, so what? you get everyone coming out. Yep. 
I'm sorry, just, just real quick. Yeah. You having said that right now, jolted a, a, a Twitter memory that somebody tweeted oh, okay. that one to two minute match between Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey, 26 camera cuts. What? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. Let, let's start pushing that inside of trading stuff from oh, Kevin Dunn. <laughs> I don't know who is telling them that this is good television. I mean, like I've had people watch some of these shows or come in and see these shows on and like comment on the camera cuts or so that like, how do you watch this? It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know who is telling them that this is good directing. It is not. It's real bad. Uh, yeah. As someone with glasses, it makes you think your prescription's wrong. It, really yeah. does. it makes you think like, well, let's get my eyes tested. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm usually was, watching these shows on a, a projector I have in my basement, and it makes me dizzy. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it takes me out of dizzy. the match. Yeah, it, it like it makes me notice the cuts, and I, yep. you know, I shouldn't be concerned about the editing of a match. Mm-hmm. So, with this main event, the participants were Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss, Omos, Riddle, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Sheamus, and then they announced right before the match that they're adding a competitor, the crowd pops. They think they're going to get a cool surprise here in the main event, but no, out walks theory to a lot of booze. And well, the one thing that came to my mind here is at least this is realistic to real life because you guys, you, you all work. How many times have you seen someone who sucks at their job get promoted? It seems like, <laughs> it seems like people yeah. fall up in the work working world all the time, right? Well, that's what happened with Austin Theory here, who lost the U.S. title, but gets in the main event anyways. You know, and the minute he walks out, you know he's winning this match. Why add him to the match if he's not going to win the match? And so that took me out of it right from the start because I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, like, why are we going to do this? This is not the time. I, I just... Let's just talk about this right now. Do you guys think that Theory has the right kind of heat? I know it's 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 hard to tell with the WWE audience right now. We often talk about like go away heat, actual heel heat. To me, actual heel heat is when people will buy a ticket to watch you get your ass kicked, where they will tune in to watch you get your ass kicked. And that is not what Theory has. To me, nobody has any emotional investment in his character at all. It's just complete indifference. I had a a tweet I sent to Phil Lindsay from Grapsity after the show. And he was talking about this. I mean, he was just completely indifferent, you know, watching the ending of this match when theory wins. And to me, that's a big problem with him. They showed, you know, they swung the camera around after theory won, and the crowd was just like either filing out or just standing there, not yelling, not booing, yep. but just kind of just standing there like no response at all. He doesn't have good heel heat right now. I don't think maybe you guys disagree, Justin. No, I'm 100% with you, man. For me, certainly, him and his stupid face has go away. <laughs> it's like Vince McMahon just discovered what a selfie is. Like, oh, this will oh be funny. God. Have him taking selfies. Dude, no. Nobody cares. <laughs> Don't care about his obnoxious face. It's just bad television, Carlo. So, during the last match, I thought crossed my mind that actually I wrote down when he won the match. Um, we've got the briefcase. I'm getting serious mid-2010 vibes from Austin Theory, mm. and that is not good because the only time mid-2010 worked was when it was with one of the greatest performers of our generation, Daniel Bryan. 
mm-hmm. you know, because Brian got the emotion. I said, Brian Danielson now, give him his right name. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just not good at all because this is going to end up, I fear where this is ending up, and it's probably about 150, 160 miles from me in Cardiff. I've got an awful feeling Drew McIntyre beats Roman Reigns and gets cashed in on by theory oh, because oh, no. it's the ultimate troll job. This company oh, has fuck. made it tough. They love trolling the fans. You look at the, the Rumble in 2015 when Brian gets eliminated. They absolutely love doing this because they think it's the greater good. Vince has convinced himself that this guy is going to be a superstar and he couldn't be more wrong about anything. Honestly, he couldn't have been more wrong since he had signed his last NDA because it's just <laughs> absolutely... <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all looking very... He's a good-looking kid. I get that. Well, I don't know what he sees in this guy. That it's convinced him. And honestly, I think someone... Johnny Ace has probably told Vince this is a, the, the next big thing. And Vince, in his senile way, is now convinced because he has a, a, an inner circle of three, of two, basically, him and Bruce. And I just, yeah, it's going to... I think he'll realise very quickly Austin Theory isn't the guy, but it worked before the bouts put in. And then you're going to... Ultimately, big picture for me is... To me, I thought the likely winner of this, I didn't like it, but a likely winner would be Rollins. Rollins would win, would cash in, would take the bout probably through to Mania, and it would be Cody Rollins for... Uh, mainly, I wouldn't like that because I think Cody should be doing something different, but it would be the logical way of doing it because, to me, the belt goes on on Cody post-Rumble at Mania because Cody's probably going to win the Rumble. Now I'm questioning what the hell are they doing here because Austin Theory? I mean, I can't fathom Austin Theory and Roman Reigns in the same ring, let alone... Austin Theory pinning Roman Reigns. And I've said the same for Drew McIntyre. There's he Theory was probably only behind Sami Zayn in terms of like unlike the guys that just had no play. Omos as well, obviously, but Omos is there just to be the big guy. But he just like why? I don't I just don't understand why. It's it, it baffled me all morning and mostly afternoon. Why have they done this? But I think it's a troll job. I think it's been trolling it. Isn't that the question? Like, that is the million-dollar question, though. Why? How does Vince McMahon... I d- it has to be someone feeding this to him, because I just can't imagine the Vince McMahon that we've known for almost 40 years thinking that Austin Theory is a superstar, because he doesn't match up to anything that Vince traditionally has seen in stars. Like, he's a smaller guy. You know, he has this go-away heat feeling to him. I mean, like, you think of all of the guys over the years that Vince has not seen as stars. And it's a who's who of, like, super talented people like CM Punk, like Big E, like Brian Danielson, like Kofi Kingston. And we've heard over and over that, nope, Vince doesn't see them as stars. But this guy, this is the guy he thinks is a star? I don't get it. I don't get, I don't see what he has. Like, he's a he's a pretty decent wrestler. You know, mm-hmm. he was popular on the indie scene and stuff. He's never seen as like a main a main event WWE guy to me at and all. Like, I mean, he's he's the definition of like a good IC champ. There, there's yeah. never been like some underground buzz with him. No, you know, he's always felt like second fiddle to whatever else is going on. 
Yeah. So it is very bizarre to watch unfold that he is Vince's guy, you know, but I mean, not just on television, but, you know, clearly behind the scenes as well. And so, yeah, I mean, when he comes out, it's pretty clear he's going to go over, which he did. Omos was very bad in this match. <laughs> I, you know, I, thought, I thought they did a good job in the first like, few minutes of Omos, and then it just went <laughs> to hell in the handbasket very quickly. He, he didn't know where the hell he was. So, I think it's so, just so bad. Yeah, Alvarez said about the sell off, like the second step on the uh, like, yes. was like uh, yeah, I know it's that Brian. Well, then it's Omos. this guy, it was just, yeah, he's number one Omos. Uh, <laughs> but again, Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley win the series over Omos. So why is it's just money in the bank is a concept? You know, we've said it to death now. It's it's gone. But I just don't really, really understand why you like some of the people getting there. Like, okay, the commentary put over his theory. He lost his match. Why is he in this? Well, we know why because it's Vince, and it does play into real life. But I I don't know if Vince sees him as a guy because if Vince truly saw him as a guy. He would be thinking this this kid's 24 years old. He would look back at the litany of examples, the masterpiece with a young guy they thought highly of him. Drew McIntyre. McIntyre they thought the world of and they pushed him too much too soon. Mm-hmm. And he was too, you know, and they ended up it took him what 12 years to get back to the mountaintop of yep. 11 years, it's 2020. The pandemic years rolled into one for me. But um, you know, it's I just think that, you know, potentially he's got the opportunity there to take time and theory, but I guess maybe Vince is impatient because maybe Father Time's catching up on Vince, and or maybe not Father Time, maybe the board is catching up on Vince and they're going to get rid of him post-Haines, but he'd still be on creative, surely. I just, yeah, as you say, the big question is why? Why on earth have they done this? He's you know, a masterpiece, man. Give me Chris Masters over Austin yeah. Theory. Tell you that. Well, yeah, he was more of his guy, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, he's more interesting, though. I mean, I love the the master lock challenge, and he had that great entrance and stuff. I would have made him like a main event guy. (laughs) As far as like television presence goes, I would much rather watch him than this Austin Theory right now. Justin, sorry to interrupt. No, that's all right. There, there has been some uh, some allegations made towards Theory, and and maybe Mm -hmm. that's why Vince likes him, kindred spirits. Yeah, Uh. who knows, man. Yes. Get yes. some psychoanalysis on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, they brought yeah. Jordan Devlin back. There was allegations about him as well. Yeah. From, from memory. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised when saw him come back with a new name, but. I will say with Omas, who, you know, we talked about his selling was atrocious. It's just, this guy just cannot work. He's a physical spectacle. We know Vince likes that. We, we talked around the time of WrestleMania season. We thought that was going to be about it for him on the main roster, but here he is in the main event, money in the bank. I will say, that what they did to get rid of him was a cool spot where like Agreed. everyone except theory teamed up to lift him and toss him through the announce table. That was cool. Yep. That was good. Um, Drew is about to win the match and outruns uh, Butch Pete Dunn for those keeping score at home to help Seamus who was pinned underneath the ladder. And uh, you know, Drew gets then gets pinned under the ladder and then he bench presses the ladder up as Sheamus climbs it to knock him into the corner. That was a cool spot. Uh, Riddle earlier in the match, he did the Randy Orton tributes. You know, he did the Hangman's DDT off the ladder to Theory. The spot of the match, the the floating bro off the top of the ladder. 
that was really good. I mean, I liked his his RKO on Rollins. Yeah, and, really and the RKO. Yep, those two. The, yeah, the RKO bump was insane. That mm-hmm. was that was a crazy spot. Uh, so we, you get down to this point where it's Drew and Sheamus. And like I said, that was a cool spot with Drew bench pressing. He's trapped under the ladder. He, he bench presses it off. The, the crowd is very much behind Drew McIntyre at this point. Uh, we get Riddle and Seth dueling atop the ladders. Uh, let's see. That's when the RKO happened. Riddle brought a larger ladder into the ring. And then he gave Seth that RKO off the top. Riddle's then climbing slowly up the ladder. But then Theory runs in. The crowd sees it coming. They boo very loudly. They fight at the top of the ladder. Theory punches Riddle. Riddle goes falling off the ladder. Theory grabs the briefcase and is your winner. Does that impeccable smiling. Justin, into the camera. (laughs) God, go away. Crowd boos. Crowd file out of the building. And uh, I mean, I guess to them, you know, you got your moment with Liv Morgan and Here's what's going to piss you off. And Vince is going to troll you in the end. And then Vince McMahon and Stephanie and Triple H and Pat McAfee and Nick Khan made their way over to the UFC <laughs> show where they were showed on camera later on, shown on camera later on the UFC pay-per-view after the conclusion of this one. So great, great decision there, Vince, by the way, to <laughs> run against UFC in Vegas over Fourth of July weekend and had to move your show out of the stadium. Just brilliant booking there from the live event department. But uh, yeah, not not a great way to end the show, guys. This is uh, left a nasty taste in your mouth, I would say, or I would guess, Carlo. Yeah, it did. It was just it, it just comes down down to that point of long term direction for the company. It's not looking good at all. Um, the fact you know, as, as Gabe said, like they're, they're, the fight last night. Why should we even care about Money in the Bank? Um, was yeah. And, was there anything that made you want to turn tune into Monday Night Raw? No, Monday night. No, no. Not. There's nothing that really made someone tune to SummerSlam. And they did they did their hell to try and promote SummerSlam during the um, show. It's if to underscore how unimportant Money in the Bank was in the grand scheme of things for the for the uh, promotion. But it's just I mean, again, I, I, I don't care about um Pat McAfee versus um Corbin, but they run an angle after the show goes off. For that, which is why McAfee's in a neck brace at the UFC, which I was like, why am I doing, is he wearing a neck brace? And then it was like, oh, yeah, did an angle after. Okay, great. It's just, <laughs> what what price um, Vince McMahon introduces Austin Theory on Raw? Because he can't seem to get himself off TV at the moment. No kidding. Is that it? Is this just a vehicle for Vince to be on TV more? Because he's got this kick in his head that I'm going to get on TV as much as I can before they drag me out of the office or whatever happens. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah. And this theory thing all started with him stealing a golden egg. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Lest we forget. <laughs> Vince mumbling away. on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Justin, closing thoughts. Uh, yeah. I mean, theory winning just, destroyed me made me hate myself for taking my you know myself out of the party that i was at previous to this but even outside of that it's like this is just your paint by colors multi-man ladder match where Mm. you know some people disappear for large chunks of the match and they pop back in you're like oh shit i forgot they were even in this match yeah Um, 
So yeah, just all the worst tropes, you know, that you see in these kind of matches. And the lone highlight for me was Sami Zayn. I love Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. The the moment when he was hiding behind the uh, ring post from almost that's the highlight of the entire show for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy Sami Zayn being the spoiler, or it's like being there in the early part. But it's the production side of things. We talk about all the quick cuts and stuff, but the amount of production snafu where you they'd be the camera be showing someone clearly looking. Of what's happening, waiting for their cue. It's like, how difficult is it? Just the, the amount of cameras you've got just to change the angle slightly, so you don't <laughs> see Seth Rollins or Becky. That was the one. That was the one I mentioned. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Was there was a point where like it panned over a little bit, and you could see Rollins laying against the fence on the outside, just looking up into the ring. Yep. I can't remember if that was before or after the RKO. Which, yeah, that was uh, that was real bad, real bad, and not a great show. Below average, a good tag match a good moment and most of the rest was pretty forgettable or made you angry with, you know, how the, how the show ended. So we got SummerSlam in four weeks to look forward to. (laughs) Yep. At least it's on a Saturday. They have figured that out, but yeah, the next two Saturdays aren't the castle show in in Wales. It's which I'm not attending. It's a hundred odd miles away. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. To quote Liam O'Rourke, if it was in my backyard, I'd close the curtains. <laughs> is, is, is that a word where when discussion was discussion was made about getting tickets? Yeah, why would you want to go into an eight thousand seat stadium to sit in the gods to see nothing? For, I think it's about I think it's probably in dollars terms, about eighty bucks a ticket for that sort of level of seat. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I talked to our friend Liam a little bit on Messenger this morning, and I won't read what he sent me verbatim because I don't have his permission. But I will say that, you know, I saw some debate on Twitter about that first one, the women's money in the bank. And I felt very strongly that was a very bad match. And I was shocked that there were some people praising it. Liam very much did not like that match. And so I said to Liam, I, I, I said to Liam, basically, I reaffirmed my position that someone, you know, as, as smart as him, who has such a good outlook on the business would agree with me. I felt like I was vindicated. <laughs> so those, yeah. those are probably the same people that bow at Vince when he walks out. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, hey, Carla, I want to thank you so much, not just for being on the show today, but being a longtime supporter of Top Rope Nation. Well, like I said, you're on the Hall of Fame on. tier means so much to us that you've pledged that kind of support to us that you come on the show got that merch pack coming to you now that you got a uh, a new house that you're living in so i got your permanent address to send you some merch in and <laughs> that's one of the benefits of being on the hall of fame tier is every six months you get a few pieces of merch from us so look for that soon but you did awesome man i i thank you very much wow. for coming on i think you've been talking about launching your own podcast haven't you yeah, it's going to be launching uh, the week after next um, in time for the Open Championship Golf. So it's going to be covering all things sport. So, um, yeah, ready, getting ready for the football season mainly. Obviously, that would be the main thing. The um, EPL over in the UK, the English Premier League, and then the NFL as well. So not getting my NFL knowledge up to scratch because other than the Carolina Panthers that I follow because... I like big cats and didn't really want to follow a Florida team. And Liam sports Bengals, so I didn't want to copy him. So should have done last season, but. <laughs> well, hey, man, I appreciate it. We will do whatever we can to promote your new projects when you got that yeah, coming out. If you need any help, you know, setting up the audio and stuff, yeah. let me know. Glad to help. And this was fun. We'll have you on again for sure. Yeah, cool. 
All right. So that is Ben at WWE Money in the Bank. We'll be back with you later this week. And uh, like I said, Kyle will be dropping his thoughts over on the Patreon feed. So if you want to hear Kyle's review of Money in the Bank, sign up for the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Join us live next time. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you've been listening to the podcast feeds, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And for Justin Joint and Carlo Longhorn, this has been Ryan Drosty. Catch you all next time. Have a great week.